I'm just going to speak a really short message today, and it's uh, the uh, title is Images That Shape Us. Images That Shape Us. And uh, so I'll just pick it up in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, and it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I'll pray. Father, I just I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word impacts us, it changes us, and I pray that your words would speak, and I pray that your message would speak to us uh, and give us clarity uh, in ways we can move closer to you and be more effective for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, how, many, how many here remember where you were when... Um, Princess Diana died. Does anyone remember where you where you actually were? Yeah. Was it a shock? I remember where I was. I was policing at that stage, and I walked into the operations room in Palmerston North, and uh, the, uh, one of the telephonists looked at me and said, "Hey, Princess Diana's just died in a car crash." And I was like, "What?" Now, I'm not a royal, and I'm not a royal follower, um, but she was quite a significant, you know, well-known person and, and young. Seemed, life seemed to be going well, and suddenly she's, you know, there's a headline. She's, she's gone. So I remember where I was. How about the Twin Towers? Now, some of these are getting a little bit old, but how many of you remember where you were when the Twin Towers happened? Yeah. How many remember how powerful the image is? How many can see the images still? The key image that they, they generally show every time they talk about Twin Towers. It's just a plane kind of almost but not quite hitting the first tower. Pretty incredible, eh? How many remember Jaws? <laughs> images that shape us. How many, how many stopped swimming in the sea because a certain image shaped you? I definitely, I have definitely have to be honest and put my hand up and say, I, I just might have been one of those people. Uh, I was talking to one of my brother-in-laws uh, a couple of days ago and they were up north fishing uh, just over Christmas and they went out and they caught, um, apparently caught this little hammerhead shark. It was, a, I think it was only about that long. He said it was just a little baby and they, uh, released it and let it go, but his daughter saw it and he's been teaching his kids how to spearfish um, and they've been jumping out and and quite confident and his son still continued, but uh, Nikesha, his daughter, just no way she was going to have a bar of going in the water with hammerhead sharks, you know, she just, it was an image that uh, shaped that girl from then on in. The thing that I've realised about images is, and and things that add influence like this is they shape us and they they uh, they create influence in our lives and they uh, they they can be very powerful in positive sense. They can also be quite negative um, in a sense, like the Jaws movie, which actually stopped really stopped a generation from from going out in the water. My, it really is acknowledged as pretty much stopping a generation from swimming in the sea because they were so scared. There was a, a great white 
just lurking down there somewhere, even at the later swimming pool in Palmerston North, you know. There was a great white lived there, I'm sure, you know. Uh, so, so people stopped swimming in the sea and that. So, I mean, there's times where things can be tremendously powerful, but things can also be negatively. There are times when things can be said to us, uh, verbal imagery, um, I'll call it, it can be said to us and they can be tremendously powerful or tremendously damaging. I remember being in a youth group with a girl who was just a phenomenal girl. Uh, she was, uh, well, I thought she was beautiful. Uh, she was good looking. She was athletic. She used to play golf at school and she was just, it seemed like she could just play any sport she wanted. She went overseas to America and I think she might have been nannying from memory and she uh, got connected with a boy and was going out with the boy. And at some point, I understand the boy told her that she was fat. And she, I mean, you should have seen this girl. She was a stick insect. There was not an ounce of fat on this girl, you know, but she got told that she was fat. You know, he, he was probably just kidding around, joking, you know, as stupid people sometimes do. Um, you know, just, just not realising the gravity of words, the gravity of situations, probably just, you know, maybe, uh, you know, sometimes young guys and that will uh, sometimes have a girl on, you know, trying to, it's a weird warp way of saying I like you is by actually harassing or have you know maybe it was that maybe it was something completely innocent but to her it really did something and she ended up with bulimia you know eating food and vomiting it up afterwards and and it really messed with her in a whole bunch of areas now she's uh doing really really well now but it blew me away as as a young person learning that and seeing that the devastating impact that uh, a you know to the sender of that of that message, probably to them quite a meaningless kind of offhand kind of stupid kind of thing to say, but to her, it was life altering. And I've realised that in God, you know, things can be uh, things in in life, things can be powerful in our lives. And so I, I thought I'd just talk about this because coming back to the scripture that I started with were some people, and I'll just, I'll just pick it up a little bit earlier. Um, it's in Acts 4, and it says, so, so what happened was um, the disciples were with Jesus, and then you'll know uh, that Peter denied Jesus three times, and the other disciples, basically when Jesus really needed them, they were nowhere to be seen. They, they zoomed off, and, and then Jesus rose again, and, and he said, go and wait in Jerusalem, and you'll be filled with uh, the Holy Spirit, and, uh, and that happened in Acts 1. And then uh, Acts 2, they, uh, um, they uh, go out, and Peter preaches to the great multitude. You know, here's this guy who denied Jesus three times, and here he is speaking to thousands of people, leading them and telling them about Jesus, not worried at all about the consequences or the risks to himself, but willing to just put his life on the line. And in here, uh, they are going into the temple, and they uh, see a man who's lame, and he says, can I have some gold or some silver or some coins and they say the famous saying you know silver and gold have we none but what I have I give to you 
rise and be healed. They grab him by the hand, pull him up. And as he's kind of in the motion of coming up, he is healed miraculously. And it says that he walked and probably jumped and danced and somersaulted and uh, did all kinds of crazy stuff. He went into the temple with them and people knew who he was. And they got questioned by the, uh, they got firstly detained um, by the temple guards. And then they got uh, questioned by the leaders, the, uh, the Pharisees and the elders. And so they're being asked about this. And this, and that is, um, this, so this is where we pick it up. So it's when they saw the courage that Peter and John, of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healing, healed standing with them, there was nothing they could say because they wanted they weren't in agreement with what the disciples were saying. But there was evidence right there before them. There was an image right there before them that the disciples had power. They had been with Jesus and they had power. And here was this guy who was lame, suddenly up walking and healed. What can you say in response to that? Nothing. There's not a lot you can say, is there? So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign. Interesting wording, isn't it? And we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them together and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? To be judges, uh, you be the judges. For us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So here's these people that ran away from Jesus. Jesus dies and is raised again. They go to uh, uh, Jerusalem and they are in the room. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and suddenly they go from states of fear to states of boldness. Isn't that amazing? And they could and here they are saying, you know, once we've witnessed this stuff and we've had this stuff happen in our lives, how can we go back to not talking about them? How can we go back to doing what you are wanting us to do, which is do nothing and say nothing and not tell the truth? So they were shaped by a powerful image called Jesus and then God, Holy Spirit, or the triune God, the Trinity. And so as, as we come through to this year, my challenge for us is that we be impacted by God's image, that we be uh, um, leaning on things that take us closer to God, that give us a clearer picture of God and his, and his ways, that we read the Word, read the Bible more than we maybe did last year, that we listen to Him differently, listen to Him better than last year maybe, 
that we that we spend time with them regularly if, if that's not our way and uh, you know that we actually take time to spend listening to them talking to them and listening to them just just spending time just thinking about them that we go out I've often talked about how you know I go for coffees with God at times uh, you know maybe you need Maybe there's something you could look at. Maybe it's something fresh that you could do. Are there other things you can do this year that are, that are new for you in God this year? Now, I, I don't drink. Um, I might have a glass of wine, you know, every, every now and then. I'm, I would be like a, the closest you would get to a zero drinker. But, the, but one thing, I, I do like a glass of wine with a meal once or twice a year or something. But this year I said to God, I don't even like I don't even drink, so it's not a sacrifice, but there's very little in my life that I can give up that matters. You know, like there's very little because I don't smoke. So I can't give up 20, 20 cigars a day. You know? Uh, I can't, you know but one thing I can give up is the fact that I like a, a glass of wine and that, you know, every now and then. So I'm giving, so I'm giving that up. So my, I was telling my kids um, that I was, I was giving them alcohol, and they said, "Dad, you don't even drink. Like, what are you doing?" And I said, "Well, I don't have anything I can give up, but I can still drink. You know, I still can have a glass of wine. So I'm not this year. I'm doing something fresh, and it's just to, it's just a new, just something, a very, very minor thing that I can do with God that says." You know, I just want to break into some new territory with you. I just want to do something new. You know, I just want us to, to you know, I'm willing to lay down some stuff, even though it's not big, it's really minor, but you know it's something, you know, that, you know, um, it's probably quite weird. My kids still don't get it. Um, but I'm doing it and I'm happy with it. And I kind of felt that that's, that, that was what I was to do. And so that's my thought to you. So I only have two things that I that I kind of uh, points this morning. And the first is, why not find a way to become an image that God looks at and says, "That's my kid." You know, like we we seek Him a little bit more. We seek Him. I'm not trying to put you under legalism or you, you know, you got to pray for three hours a day or anything like that. Just just spend some time with God. Speak to him, talk to him, walk with him, think about him, read his word. And the second thing is become an image to others that when they encounter you, they recognize the image of God on your life. Become an image to others that they can see God's handiwork in your life. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect. I'm not calling you to be perfect. I'm the, you know, I stand up here as an the most imperfect person on planet earth. You know, I just always describe myself as I'm just a piece of clay on the wheel and uh, in the potter's hand. You know, I'm a piece of marble that the master craftsman is, is still smashing corners off and grinding bits out of and, and sanding down and refining and that. So, um, but in whatever state we're in, we can always be an example to someone else. We can always speak God into someone else's life. We can always be a person to offer someone a glass of water in the name of Jesus. So how does that sound? That's my very long sermon today. How about I pray? And I'll leave that with you.
Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are a life-altering God. You come into our lives and you leave us richer. You, you come into our world and you leave it better. You call us up. You push us forward. You bring hope into our day. And I just pray over every single person here today that you would be our light, that uh, you would walk with us, you would lead us on, you would cause us to grow, you would cause us to stretch, that we would become bigger people, more effective people for you, Father, who would uh, walk your mission, that we would go out into the world and we would share Jesus with people that we would love other people and they would recognise on our life that there is something different about us, something unique, that they, that they would recognise that we belong to you. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's great. So um, so one of the key things about, about this and talking to God and that is you have to have Jesus centre in your life and that. And and uh, when I gave my life to Jesus, he turned it upside down because my way of operating was not his way. I was on the throne and he was not on the throne. So that is also my challenge to you is find, find areas in your life. Are there any areas in your life where Jesus isn't on the throne and we need to actually take ourselves off and say, I'm going to put you on the throne. You're going to be the boss. You're going to make the decisions and, and direct this this life um, in the way you want. So there's a couple of thoughts for you.